Whether I'm a consultant or an employee, you do, you're not going to see a difference. Uh, you know, and, and and I am in operation. And when I'm in that role, I I treat it like it's my own business. You can just be that one SME, and that's all you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you may want to branch out into other aspects of quality and things of that nature. So I think first and foremost, understanding what you'd like to do going forward uh, will help determine that path. Um, and again, if you want to if you want to be that SME, then what you need to do is just make sure that there are more people that know that you're that SME. Flip side, if 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 you want to be, I'll say more of a generalist, but if you wanted to pick up more skills, um, and that, that's something that that was the approach I took. Uh, you need to give away your SME. Right? You need to teach others in the organization. Let Bam. them be. Let them be the expert for a little. Right. And that's that's what I started doing early on in my career before I even became a consultant. Welcome back to Critical Talks. What a year it has been. 2021 posed many challenges, but also presented opportunities to many of us. There's a lot of talk of 2021 being the year of the Great Resignation. And while this episode is not necessarily about that, I think we can definitely say that folks now have more choices as to their careers. Whether it is changing jobs, starting a business, or branching out and learning something new. Regardless of what your goals are, today's episode has valuable advice in store for you, delivered by my guest Anthony Cara, with whom I unpack the topic of developing the mindset of a consultant, regardless of whether you are one. Anthony is the owner, principal consultant, and instructor at Business Improvement Group Consulting. He is a trusted advisor in the areas of process excellence and applied statistical methods across various industries, although most commonly in the medical device industry. Anthony holds a Master's of Applied Statistics from Penn State University, a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering from the New Jersey Institute of Technology. He is an ESQ certified Six Sigma Master Black Belt and a certified Manager of Quality and Organizational Excellence. He's also a contributing author of the Medical Device Validation Handbook. But more importantly, he's ready to share with us extremely valuable advice on how to develop and apply the mindset of a consultant. Whether you're starting your own consulting business or trying to deliver value to your organization. Are you ready? Let's go. This is the Critical Talks Podcast with Gabor Sabu. Thought exchange about experiences, lessons from the past, and trends towards the future of the quality profession. So, Anthony, uh, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Gabor, and and thank you for the invite. Uh, I really appreciate having the opportunity to... uh, share some of the experiences that I've had both with you as well as your listeners. Absolutely. It's, it's uh, such an, such a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, Anthony and I met um, pretty recently and we had a really, really good conversation about uh, not just consulting, just in general, Hey, what have you been up to? What, what, uh, what do you do? And we kind of ended up steering the conversation towards consulting. He, um, he has um, his own consulting business as well as he's been gainfully employed <laughs> for a while now and he's been able to do the switch between consulting and having a full-time job so I thought that was really interesting and um, 
he uh, he shared with me some really really good uh, tips on um, you know what to what to look out for. So where before we get started, where in the world are you? Oh sure, yeah. So so right now, and it's funny that you ask because over the over the you know past 10, 15 years, we have moved around quite a bit. But uh, right now, I'm calling in from uh, Cupertino, California. Oh, you are in California. Yes. Great. So are you originally from California? Or? No, no, no. It's, uh, so originally born and raised in uh, northern New Jersey. Um, and then we started trekking all around the country, down to Florida, Indiana, brief stop in Minnesota, back to Indiana, and here we are in California. Oh, great. Okay. Looks like uh, you're a... Uh world traveler. A little bit, a little bit. Okay. And uh, what, do you have a specific industry that you've worked in or? Uh, Primarily medical device. Okay. And and a lot of that has to do with um, just where my network was as I, as I transitioned between industry and and consulting, uh, having that network established, it was a natural uh, transition into med device. Oh yeah, med device is a great industry. I'm in med device myself. Uh, okay. I come from automotive, for example. Um, it's it's somewhat different. There's a lot of similarities, but um, there's there's a lot of opportunities in med device, regardless of what it is that you want to do. And of course, this is a quality themed podcast, so we talk mm-hmm. about quality stuff for the most part. Um, but for for folks interested in a quality career in med device, this is the place for you because there is a lot of quality related absolutely uh, stuff going on in med device. So in talking to you previously, uh, you mentioned that you have been employed as well as uh, owned your consulting business and you've been mm-hmm. able to do this switch of, hey, I'm consulting now. And then went back to being a full-time employee. And I thought that was, that was really interesting and awesome at the same time, because my experience is that folks start, you know, working full-time at a company and they either like it and stay uh, gainfully employed, um, you know, for throughout their career or getting to consulting and, uh, and start essentially enjoying this, independence or freedom and make the switch and never want to ever go back to being a full-time employee. That's my experience. I'm, I'm actually happily employed full-time. I'm not planning on making that switch anytime soon, at least, but in talking with other folks in my, in my network, that's really the experience. So I haven't really met too many people who have been switching back and forth. So could you tell us a little bit about that? What, what's appealing to you about this uh, mixed environment? If you sure, will? yeah, absolutely. And, and I think to answer that best, there's probably two facets to look at, right? You know, and the first one is um, you know, ju- just my comfort level of, of being able to switch back and forth. Uh, you'd mentioned before that some people enjoy just having the um, you know, having gained, being gainfully employed, right? And, and the benefit of that is you show up for work, the work is there, right? You do your job, the paycheck comes in and, and you don't have to worry about anything else, right? On the consulting side, when you go into, uh, especially as an independent consultant, if you're going out on your own, it's more than just showing up and doing the work, right? There's the, there's the marketing aspect of it. There's the sales aspect of it. You know, there's the finance aspect of it. So, you know, you, you truly are a business owner at that point. 
um, of, of which I really much enjoy. Now, uh, and, and I'm comfortable in doing both, right? Where some people may not be. And the reason why I'm comfortable doing both is kind of maybe the second facet of it is whether I'm a consultant or an employee, you do, you're not gonna see a difference in me, right? Uh, you know, and, and, and I am in operations. I usually when I, take, uh, when I take, do take full-time jobs, uh, full-time jobs, it will be in manufacturing or not operations um, capacity. And when I'm in that role, I, I treat it like it's my own business uh, in, in, in very much so, right? Where um, being very much customer focused and working with the team, ensuring that we're delivering you know, the best possible solution for the customer. And then also just being cognizant of you know, the cost structure of the business, right? Not just completely uh, you know, disregarding the, the internal costs and things of that nature. So I, I think um, you know, for me personally, I'm able to make that switch uh, because I, I have that small business minded uh, you know, mindset, if you will, and, and I'm willing to bring it to an employer, right? I, like I said, it's, it's, it's genuinely who I am. And when I do make that switch from consulting to employee, um, it's no difference for me. I, I, I become invested in the company and, and I'll, I'll play that internal consulting role or whatever needs to be done. Uh, you know, for the, uh, you know, the roles and responsibilities at that time. Oh, I, I love what you just said. Incredible. Um, you don't see a difference between being a consultant versus uh, being a full-time employee in terms of your approach to, you know, how you do things. Uh, and I think the reason why, you know, consulting or consultants um, get a bad rap is because mm -hmm. at least some folks, I'm not trying to generalize here. Sure. But you know, at least what I've seen is, you know, consultants come in, they don't, you know, they don't really have skin in the game, right? Exactly. They deliver the bare minimum, they get paid and get out there. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not necessarily the case uh, everywhere. Um, but, but I've seen that happen. And whenever you say the word consultant, people think of, oh, okay, so we'll get some you know, we won't get results. We'll get uh, an invoice. <laughs> I have to invoice, and um, thank, thank you, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's it's glad to. I'm glad to see that um, you know your approach is is quite different from from that. You really right. have that you know mindset of a entrepreneur, whether or not you actually. Um, are an entrepreneur at the time mm -hmm. or are fully uh, employed full-time. No, that's a great point. Um, you know, because as, as with the entrepreneur's mindset, uh, whether I'm an employee, as an employee, you have skin in the game, right? You know, you have bonus structure, things of that nature, um, advancement opportunities. Um, but even as a consultant, and maybe more so as an independent consultant, I own my own business. And if I don't deliver results to the, to the client, Mm -hmm. I, I don't get the repeat business, right? I don't, I don't get an opportunity to come back. So, so technically I do have skin in the game. If I, if I don't deliver results for the client, if they don't get something that is of value to them, then, uh, you know, then, then in the end, I'm, I'm losing out in the long run as well. Oh, ab absolutely. Absolutely. Um, okay. So, so with that said, how would you, cause I, I actually looked up, you know, the definition of, a consultant or consulting, sure. like with that, with what you just said, how would you define 
what what's your definition of a consultant? Sure, no, that, that's a that's a great question, and I'll try to answer that by um, you know what I deliver, right, and, and some of the things, and I, and I think there's there's kind of two capacities, and I tend to blur the lines between uh, like a contract contingent worker and a consultant. Um, you know where you know there, there are times when. Uh, folks just, they, they, they just want me to do a job. They have a task that needs to be done. Now, albeit, uh, you know, given my year's experience, it would be a higher level task, mm -hmm. um, you know, such as you know, a complex statistical analysis or, you know, something of that sort um, that needs to be done. Uh, whereas, you know, the true essence of consulting is that, right? Being like a trusted advisor, where you may not necessarily be uh, working on a task per se, but uh, but you're being sought out for subject matter expertise uh, to guide, teach, coach, and mentor the organization, bring them up to the next level. And, and I've had the good fortune to do both, right? It's kind of that hybrid where, um, you know, it's uh, teach a man the fish or catch, catch the fish. And sometimes they need a little bit of both, right? Sometimes yeah. uh, you're in a situation where you need me to catch that fish for you first, um, you know, so that you can eat today. Uh, but then teach you how to fish so that, you know, you can, you can sustain afterwards after I'm long gone. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And actually we touched on that in a previous episode um, uh, with, with a different guest on, you know, instead of fishing for them, mm -hmm. you really want to teach them how to fish that's eventually because right. that's what results in a long lasting uh, effect for the company, for the organization. Okay. Um, and, if, and if I could just add one more point. To that. Absolutely. Um, being able to flex and do both um, because there, there, there will be, um, I have come across some consultants where they only want to take that advising role, and not necessarily do the work. Um, again, voice of the customer, right? Being quality minded and understanding what they really want you need to deliver value. And then sometimes it's a hybrid, partnering up with them. Okay, mm -hmm. I can do this one for you today, right? Let's say for an example, a Kappa. I can, I can do this Kappa. I can own this Kappa. But in the end, there will be more Kappas. Somebody in your organization needs to be the next champion. And let that person work with me and we start that mentoring relationship as well. Okay, that's, that's amazing advice. Okay, so um, in terms of this you know, essentially finding that middle ground or sometimes switching back and forth. Hey, I'm just here for this assignment versus I'm going to teach them how to fish. So you, you do consult in statistics, right? You're, yes. you're a stats expert, which is awesome. I love stats myself. I know so do. that's why we, uh, we have so, <laughs> so many things in common. So in terms of, so say you're, um, you're asked by a client to do some stats consulting for, for their sure. company. Um, I don't know. Let's say, let's say it's, it's uh, some sort of a process improvement project mm -hmm. uh, with a baseline and, and they're, they're looking at improving their, I don't know, process yield on this, sure. on this one product line. So how do you go about um, doing that project with them as a st stats consultant? Sure. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It's a great question. So, you know, one, first and foremost, um, I think of it like a roadmap, right? I ask them where they want to be, where, where do they ultimately want to get to, right? 
you have a, um, in this example, you have a process that's operating a certain level and they want an improvement. I wanna understand what improvement level are they even expecting? Um, so, you know, that's your point B. And then I wanna know where are they today? What's your point A? Um, and what I'll do is I'll talk them through how do we, how do we establish that, right? Um, mm -hmm. Maybe they have the data, the baseline data, maybe they don't. Um, so I'll work with them to establish the baseline. And you know, first and foremost, I want to make sure that that goal is a reasonable goal. That's an achievable goal. Uh, you know, the you know, all too often, um, companies, leaders that they'll hear about these process improvement opportunities and things like, and then they're swinging for the fences and they set up a, you know an impossible goal. And then when it doesn't work, then they look back and say, oh, lean doesn't work, Six Sigma doesn't work. You know, these techniques don't work. Um, so I do first and foremost, make sure that they have uh, a winnable game, right? We, we set up with a winnable game. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, what we do is we, we just like you want to go from A to B anywhere in, in your community, we do the same thing with process improvement. Start off from your baseline, where you are today. You start off with your goal state, where do you want to be in the future? And we map out that process. Uh, that process could be, um, you know, more times than not, it's it's one of discovery. You need to understand what the sources of variation or, you know, why are we at a certain level of performance? Um, and there's a slew of statistical tools and techniques that we can use. Yeah. And uh, we'll, I'll introduce those one at a time. And if they're not familiar with them, we'll, we'll get them geared up and, and we'll, we'll get them educated. And uh, and, and actively participating in, in the process. Um, on occasion, th there will be just do it's, but more times than not, it's it's more of a you need to get that discovery right. You have uh, you have this gap of where you are today, where you want to be, and you need to understand what are the key drivers uh, that that get you there. And then from there, once we have a good understanding of what's holding us back from that that goal state we'll come up with solutions, brainstorming, piloting, testing solutions, data, of course, right? Using yeah. data uh, to make sure that, um, you know, we're not just jumping on a gut feel, even, and even if clients do have a you know, gut feel, well, I think we should do this, great. We'll put that as a potential, either a potential cause or potential solution. Um, but let's, let's continue, let's continue with the process and let's continue exploring other options as well so that we could put together a comprehensive solution. Um, and, you know, just ultimately walk them through that process up until we, we implement and then do a confirmation run of some sorts to you know, verify the effectiveness, but then also put in some type of control you know, so that they understand that um, if we don't actively, actively ensure that um, you know, whatever change we meant, uh, implemented will sustain or uh, or any additional change that needs to happen, right? just making sure that uh, whatever effort we just put in does not regress and, and we end up slipping back to uh, you know, the prior performance level. So it's uh, essentially, it's uh, to walk them through the entire process and even provide training if need be, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And that's where that flexing, right? It's, it's uh, you know, there you say you have two of these and one of these. Um, right, you're, you're engaging with the client, you're, you're listening to what they're saying, you're watching what they're doing. Um, and then when the time comes, if you see that, um, even my leadership style, reflexing, when you see that, hey, you know what, um, they said that, you know, they knew what to do, and they're going down this path, but it looks like it's not quite right, I may intervene and, you know, just kind of gently coach and, and get them right back on track. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's great. And um, so when it comes to say scoping out a project at a sure. client, right? So there's this you know process improvement project. Let's say it's the same project, right? And uh-huh. having been a consultant, you kind of know like, oh, this will probably take me, I don't know, a month or this many hours, right? And what I've seen happen a lot is consultants come in, um, quote, and it ends up taking a lot longer than anticipated. I'm not saying, you know, they try to milk, you know, the the process or the system, but things happen. I mean, changes happen, um, unknown things are in, in, in the process that, you know, are waiting to be discovered. And, you know, those things could uh, introduce some additional analysis time or waiting time or whatnot. Right. So how do you, how do you go about providing a reasonable estimate? Sure. Yeah, no. And two techniques that I use very, very often, one, one first and foremost, and this is something just back from my early training in project management, uh, you, you clearly um, clearly state your assumptions, right? When, when you're scoping a certain amount of work, it's based on certain assumptions, um, you know, that your process is already stable in this example, right? Yeah. That, you know, you're asking me to improve a process from, from point A to point B. Um, I'm going on the assumption that you already have a stable process, that, that, that it's in control at, at least at a certain level, and we're looking for a, you know a mean shift. Um, yeah. You know, and and if that s- assumption has not been met as we do our discovery, it warrants going back and, and discussing additional scope. Um, and then the other approach, the the other technique that I use very often, and and, and uh, especially in med device, right? F- folks are kind of used to this. Um, I'll I'll introduce a phased approach. Uh, I mean, if you think about a, a CAPA process, corrective you know, preventive action, uh, it's phased. It starts off with the establishing the problem statement, but then you have an investigation phase. That's your discovery phase. You yep. don't know what improvement you're going to implement yet until you've gone through that discovery phase. So I may, I may quote out that discovery phase as a, as a separate phase in and of itself, uh, you know, with the understanding that, hey, once we understand this, we could better put a scope on it. Um, and I may give a verbal ballpark as far as what they can expect. Um, but then as far as, you know, setting up that contract, uh, you know, the phased approach is, is, is worked very well, uh, you know, for me going forward, because it's, it's um, again, another project management term, I call successive elaboration, right? As you go on in a project, uh, you gain more and more certainty and more and more knowledge about what the scope of work is going to be and how much effort is going to be and things of that nature. So by clearly communicating and partnering up with the, uh, with the client in that early stage and letting them know what to expect, uh, you know, through a phased approach, um, it, it kind of, it, it builds good, uh, you know, good understanding, good mutual understanding of, you know, what, what to expect so there's no surprises in the end. So, you know, should the scope explode, right, you know, because of other things that were identified in the discovery phase, um, it should be no surprise. It should be no surprise. Okay. Yeah, that's that's very useful uh, because if you're expecting, uh, say, X for that quarter amount, and if it, if it ends up being 10X, you're like, right. oh, I'm never, I'm never employing a consultant again. This is a right. ripoff. 
Right. Um, it's all about uh, managing expectations and assumptions. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Good. Okay. Now on to um, the next question. Actually, this is the one that I think um, a lot of our, uh, our listeners might find useful as, as I'm assuming a lot of our listeners are full-time employees. Mm -hmm. So how do you develop this mindset of a consultant while sure. being employed full-time, right? So say, let's say you're an SME. Yeah. That's or say injection molding, mm -hmm. right? So you're essentially, you have a wealth of knowledge that you could share, not just with your department, even outside of your department, with other sites, other business units, right? So in that case, you, you act, you'd act uh, as a consultant. So I, what tips, what advice uh, do you have for folks who would like to essentially expand on their responsibilities and start actually consulting within their own organization? Sure, yeah, yeah. And um, it's gonna depend on the individual. Right. So, you know, using that example, you have an SME in, in injection molding. Um, you know, there's there's two ways even you can go with that. You can just be that one SME and that's all you want to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, or you may want to branch out into other aspects of, of quality and things of that nature. So I think first and foremost, understanding what you'd like to do going forward uh, will help determine that path. Um, and again, if you want to, if you want to be that SME, then what you need to do is just make sure that there are more people that know that you're that SME. If you're the, you know, if, if you're, if you're the guy that kind of just, you know, sits in the lab and, you know, just solves all the problems that are there and uh, you're kind of under wraps, so to speak, right. You're, you're part of this think tank. Um, you're, you're not going to have that network necessarily that, uh, you know, how many people know uh, that you're that SME right away. So being able to branch out somehow, right, whether it's in your organization or across, um, you know, joining some local, like, like an ASQ or some other uh, professional society where you can network with other professionals, LinkedIn, um, where you and I met, right, uh, yep. you know, have an opportunity to kind of broaden that network of yours uh, so that other people, right, not just the one or two people that are working close to you, but other people can uh, you know, see your, your expertise and the, the value that you can provide. Um, mm -hmm. Flip side, if, if, if you wanna be, I don't say more of a generalist, but if you wanted to pick up more skills, um, and that, that's something, that, that was the approach I took, um, you need to give away your SME, right? You need to teach others in the organization, let, them be, let them be the expert for a little bit, right? And that's, that's what I started doing early on in my career before I even became a consultant, mm -hmm. I should take that back. Before I self-identified as a consultant, right? <laughs> because technically that, that methodology is one of a consultant, right? Where um, I quickly picked up a skill that was deficient in, in the organization. There were other people that wanted, to know, that wanted to do that as well, but didn't know how to get started. So I taught them. And I taught them to the point where they were able to do that thing which means I didn't have to do it anymore. And I could focus on the next so, thing. So, yes. so I started learning the next thing. Um, and then the same thing happened, right? Where there were other people that wanted to learn that thing. So I taught them. And then I moved on to the next thing. 
Um, so, so that was that was my approach, and both approaches are, are are very good. It depends on what you want to do, um, but that's how you get started off, right? It, it, and 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 again, either way, it's growing that network. It's growing that network of of other people that understand the value that you could provide, and and they in turn receive the value um, because that's long story short how how I ended up getting my first engagement. Uh, you know where. It, and, and any subsequent one afterwards, right? It, it's, I'm truly leveraging, uh, you know, network of people that I've worked with in the past that that know that if you bring me on board, you know, you're going to get a result. Yeah, I I, I love what you just said because we're going back to entrepreneurship. Sure. Right. You're whether or not you're employed full time, if you're going to be a consultant. If you want to be a consultant, you need to start acting, also acting uh, like an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. which involves marketing, marketing yourself, promoting sure. yourself. And it's not, it's not just about self-promotion, but you can't, you don't want to be shy about your achievements, right? Sure. You want to make sure that, and it's, it's because it's not about you. It's about being able to communicate the value that you provide so that mm -hmm. others can be provided that value. Exactly. And, and it's better to come out of their mouths than your own, right? So yeah. as far as me communicating value, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that I'm, I'm the best at X, right? What I'm going to do instead is say, hey, I see you have a problem with this. Can I help you out? Yeah. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look to help you solve your problem. Right. And then through that, you get value. Yeah. And, you know, now you have an understanding of what I could do and things of that nature. So I fo I'll focus on delivering the results. Um, but then, and, and then from there, right. You know, be, be looking to you to, Hey, you know, where else can I help? Whether it's you, do you know, other people and things of that nature. Um, and that, that kind of word of mouth and, and building that reputation of um, of somebody who delivers, right? And yeah. Not just not just a consultant that takes your watch to tell you what time it is. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Now, what happens when, to so say, you're an established SME or consultant, you sure, know, in this one thing that you do really, really well, and the team reaches out to you, and apparently, they, you know, you provide some guidance to them, some some advice. But they they don't want to do the work. They want you. They want you to do the work for them, and that's that's a that's becoming a pattern, right? Mm -hmm. So, what do you do in that case? Because remember, you want to teach them how to fish, not fish sure. for them. Yeah, and, and again, I, I so if if that's what the customer so if that's what the customer is asking for, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. deliver. But in the end, I you truly want to understand what the customer wants. And if the customer yeah. wants that self-reliance, right, which um, even if they don't know that they want it now, I, I try to get them to where they need to know that they, they you know, mm -hmm. they need to learn that that's what they really want. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not trying to dance around the question, but sometimes, sometimes that journey is a lot longer with some customers than others, right? Yeah. Some clients, I need to stick with them a little bit longer to get them to see that, yes, I, I, I know it feels better if I can just get it done and it's one more check off your list. But for as long as I'm doing that for you, I will always be doing that for you. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, and a lot of times, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm helping solve problems where the FDA already gave them some audit findings, right? They're already in trouble. And, yeah. you know, what I try to do is I work with them as far as, you know, so they get to see that they, they need to establish a certain amount of self-reliance. Um, and, and then the other part of how I do that is, you know, working with right level of leadership within the organization, right? Um, because, you know, talk about skin in the game, right? You know, they, they're, they're the ones that are kind of signing up for, you know, the costs and things of that nature. Yeah, when I'm working with an engineer and the engineer tells me, well, I'm too busy, can you just run this? Sure, I could pitch in and I could help out, but you better believe I'm 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 communicating to you know the person who's you know signing off on the on the checks every week, right? You know the sponsor to let them know, hey, listen, your team needs a little help here. Um, you know what can we do? And, and, and again, there too, I'm trying to re- I'm trying to come up with a solution, trying to understand why. Right? Is it just that they that they don't want to do it, right? Or are they are they over allocated? That happens very often where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an improvement team or capital team, what have you, they're busy doing other things. And sometimes I have to be their spokesperson. Sometimes I have to go back to their management and say, hey, listen, I know that you put this person on here, but this person also has X, Y, and Z that they're working on. They really mm-hmm. don't have the time to dedicate. If you really want to establish this, right, we'll need to kind of shuffle some resources. So, um, you know, I kind of play both parts there. Where you know, I'll, I'll, as I mentioned before, I'll do the contingent worker. I'll, I'll jump in. I'll be that extra set of hands. Um, but I want to be that trusted advisor. In the end, I, I want you to be self reliant. Um, that you you don't have to rely on me being there all the time. I always say, if 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 I put myself out of a job, I've done my job. Yeah. Okay. Good. And also the fact that um, you're somewhat detached from you're not part of what it is that you're working on or improving or or whatnot Mm -hmm. and that sometimes provides a you know fresh set of eyes right instead of working in the business you get to work on the business exactly the term from you know entrepreneurship but that's 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 where it really comes down to Absolutely, absolutely, right. Yeah, you have that 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 issue, that cap or whatever that they're working on, or the process that needs to be improved. But taking that thirty thousand foot step back, right, and, and seeing how it fits into the overall business and, and how it benefits them, um, and and having that vision and being able to communicate and and share that with the leadership team as well. Great. Okay, so now there's one more thing, a couple more things I'd like sure. to uh, talk. Uh, to you about so you know now we're living very interesting times right so this current environment you know between covid Mm -hmm. uh, remote work options and this whole gig economy sure uh, and now this new term you know the great resignation of 2021 right so all this has made it easier for folks to explore other opportunities whether it's just changing jobs, changing companies, mm-hmm. developing a, a new habit or pivoting uh, careers um, or we're getting into consulting, right? So you, I, I, you know, I don't necessarily intend to uh, talk in detail about this whole uh, great resignation in this episode, but I can't help but say that it's definitely helped working professionals find 
what it, what it is that they want to do. Do I do they do they want to explore other opportunities, uh, getting into entrepreneurship, consulting? So, um, what do you what are your thoughts on this environment now? Yeah, no, no, no. It, so it it's definitely unique, <laughs> right? <laughs> Something you know, I, I haven't seen anything like this before in my career. Um, and I think it's a natural progression, right? I, I, th I think some of the things that, uh, you know, kind of coming together, maybe more of a catalyst. I mean, I think COVID is probably more of a catalyst of this next change. Mm -hmm. um, because I know when, when, I, when, I entered, when I entered the workforce, um, you know, there's you know, generational differences in mindsets and things of that nature, right? And, you know, my grandparents and my parents even, right, they have the mindset of, hey, you get a good job with a good company, right? And you stay there until you retire. Um, those days are long gone. I mean, I, I'm still seeing, right, there are some folks and there's some pockets where, where, where people are doing that. Um, but, you know, what I've personally found in my career is that um, growth through movement, right? You know, gaining new experiences and things of that nature. Uh, you know, very often, um, you know, when I have made a job change, I, I always noticed that, you know, that first year, year and a half was probably the most exciting. Yeah. Um, you know, you're new, you're a lot of, you know, there's a lot of learning going on, a lot of growth. Um, and then when, once you have that, some organizations, not all organizations, but some organizations, once they've invested and, right, and they, they've developed you as that person over that year, they just want you to stay there and now, now produce. Um, and, and that's where, you know, things could get a little stale and things of mm -hmm. that nature. So, um, you know, even before all this happened, even before all this happened, um, you know, I, th I think we would see that, you know, folks would, you know, four or five, you know, maybe you know, seven years, um, you know, they, they go from, from one place to another to, to gain new experiences. Um, and I think this is no different, right? I think this is no different other than, other than we've added the variable of there's more remote opportunities now because mm -hmm. out of necessity over the past you know, year and a half to two years, a lot of us had to adapt and learn how to do our work from home. Uh, or uh, let's say remote, it didn't even have to be from home, it could be in a coffee shop or, you know, yeah. outside, what have you, right? But, you know, we, we've, we've now learned that work, um, not all work, but, but there are some facets of work that could be done anywhere. And I think that opens up a lot of opportunities, especially for folks who, maybe wanted to get, uh, you know, thought about consulting and maybe travel was the only barrier, right? Or um, whether it's travel or they didn't have their ideal um, client base near them, um, that, that barrier has been removed. Uh, so, you know, I, I think one first and foremost, recognize that and see that, hey, you know, if, if you haven't already done so, if you, ever, if you haven't already adapted your work style, uh, to being able to you know, work remotely, start practicing that, right? You know, start start finding opportunities where you can do that. Um, but then the other the other thing is, uh, and this is something you know, a mentor of mine kind of put put in. Uh, you know, he he kind of put it down in words, and it's something that um, you know even even before I, I heard him say this, I was doing it anyway, right? But but it but it certainly helps, so you could do it with intention is don't chase titles, don't chase money, right? Chase experiences, right? When, you know, when you're looking to do something different, right? You know, don't worry about the title. Don't worry about the pay that comes there, right? Get the experience because in the end, those experiences will lead to 
the title and the money if those things are important for you. Um, but it, it starts with that experience because once again, through that experience, you grow, you learn how to deliver value, right? And then, you know, and then from there, any, anything could be yours. That, that's, I, I love that sentiment. Chase experience is not necessarily, you know, title or money right. at first, at least, because it can yeah. lead to something very lucrative. I, I don't disagree. Yeah, and 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 it's funny because you, you could say that right at first, right? And you're like, all right, now you know that VP role is you know kind of within the grasp. But then, if if you truly adopt that mindset, I guarantee you'll probably never go back, right? Because it's it's now it's like, all right, yeah, that VP position, what have you, might be within grasp and things of that nature. But it's it's not even about that anymore because you see the other opportunities, you see the. You see the growth opportunities, not of having the VP title, but what you get to do as a VP. Um, and, and yeah, it's really being able to identify those opportunities and not yes. having tunnel vision so fixated on, hey, I want to get to the next level and I want to be a, I don't know, manager, senior manager, director, and then VP. Um, that's kind of the road is already paved for you if right. you have that mindset instead of being able to create your own map of where you want to be. No, exactly, exactly. Great, okay. Now, so what are, in your opinion, what are, what are the three biggest gotchas for someone that's just getting into consulting, just trying to start uh, their consulting gig or business? Sure, sure, sure. Um, and, and again, I'll preface this with, uh, something we said way earlier, whether I'm a consultant or employee, you, you don't get a different Anthony, right? You know, so I'm gonna approach the same thing, meaning, uh, you know, for those of you listening, this advice I'm gonna give, it might not just be for if you wanna be a consultant, right? But just right. if you wanna advance in your career and things of that nature. Um, you know, I, I think the first thing is never saying no, right? <laughs> it's a bad thing, right? Uh, you know, saying yes to everything, you know, trying to be so accommodating, whether you're as an employee or that consultant, um, you know, saying yes to uh, every task that comes your way, saying yes to every contract that comes your way, right? It means even as a consultant, turning down work is not a bad thing. Um, because if you say yes to everything, you're secretly saying no to something else, right? And usually it's something that's, that's, that's really important to you, right? Family time, another good opportunity, right? You know, th those are um, you, you want to be careful. So I think one, one gotcha is going to be never saying no, uh, I, I, you know, and, and always saying yes. Right. So, so that'd be one thing to watch out for. Um, let's see. I think, uh, one, one of the, one of the other things to watch out for, um, would be committing over committing. Right. And so they're very closely related, but I think not just saying, uh, you know, saying yes to everything that comes your way but signing up for things that may be beyond, right? Well beyond your, your current ability, right? Mm -hmm. It's okay to do, you know, take on a stretch assignment or things of that nature. And, um, and if it is a growth thing, right? Have that open communication. But if you don't know how to do something, you sign up for it and, um, and you don't deliver, right? It's, 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 it's a mark, right? That, that's kind of hard to, to, to get away from. Um, and then the third, right, the third watch out is 
uh, you know, kind of the same thing, right? And this will be, you know, purely for the, uh, you know, the, the consultant or somebody who's on that, on that way, or maybe it's somebody who wants to go into leadership, right? So it could be for the employee as well. Um, you know, always being the person that does the work, right? You know, you, you, had, you had said the comment before working uh, in the business versus on the business. And, uh, you know, if you're an employee and you want to, you want to get on that growth track, well, if you're always doing the job and not teaching others and leading others and things of that nature, well, then you're always going to do the job. You're always going to be working in the business, and not on the business leadership. Same thing on the consulting side, right? Um, you know, if, I mean, unless you want to be that solopreneur where that's all you do, mm-hmm. that's fine. But if you want to grow a consultancy, you need to, uh, you need to be able to let go of things, right? You need to be able to, uh, now with that, you have to give yourself permission for the imperfect, right? You know, that, um, yeah, okay, maybe nobody could do it better than you do. So you think, right? You need to be able to give something away and let somebody else do it um, so that you could focus on aspects of growing the consultancy as opposed to just being the only consultant. It's only so many hours in a day. Great. So that was three, right? That was three. Great. <laughs> We've heard a lot in the past couple of minutes. That's, this is very, very useful information, folks. Okay. So um, now as a last, essentially, you know, few questions, we'll go over a couple, what I call semi-random questions. Okay. Ask uh, uh, every guest of mine. So um, let's start with this one. So where do you see the future of quality? And since you're a med device, more importantly to you, the future of medical device quality going uh, in the next, say, five years. Any trends or shifts that uh, you foresee happening? Um, so I, I guess two parts of that, right? Because uh, you know, while, while I am primarily a med device right now, um, you know, I, I do branch out into other industries as well. Primarily med device, again, that's where most of my network is. And I think, you know, one of the things I see is, I mean, obviously, quality management is, is it's a tenant in, in, in med device. Mm-hmm. Um, yet, it's funny that there are still some of those lagging behind, despite the fact, right? How many how many years it's been a it's been a requirement? Um, I, I still think that, um, or at least I don't call it a trend per se, but one of the observations that I have working with different um, different clients, you know, clients with different places in their journey where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know, I could work with a large established medical device company who has a very robust sometimes, you know, maybe cumbersome quality management system, right? Um, you know, so I think in those cases, looking for opportunities for leaning out the system and things of that nature. So, so there's opportunities there. Um, for your mid-sized companies, they, uh, you know, I like to look at them as you're, uh, you know, being in their awkward teenagers, um, or at least if they're, if they're in that, that level of the journey, right? Where maybe they were a startup and they established some, some quality management principles but they weren't necessarily scalable, right? So, you know, there's, I think there's opportunities for, um, you know, retrofitting, uh, you know, quality management systems so that, and again, you're not making that big jump cookie cutter to what the big boys are, are doing, but continually looking at your quality management system and updating it to, you know, not just support the growth, but, but to promote the growth of your organization. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like I said, without without kind of falling into any pit, pitfalls. And then the other thing I'm seeing is at, at the at the early stages, the startups. Um, and, and again, I, I don't want to generalize, right? But um, there is a you know complete um, you know lack of understanding or, or, or you know the need, right? They tend to kind of come in more innovative and they're looking for time to market, mm-hmm. and may not even have the quality function uh, you know established, right? Um, so you know. This, and more times than not, what ends up happening is they'll be able to get their product going, but eventually, once they once they kind of you know start getting you know commercialized and things of that nature, they'll inevitably right need to retrofit their quality. If they didn't have anything, right, they're going to have to establish that base. Um, but it'll be the same thing as the, as the other company, right? So um, you know maybe a long long way about you know, uh, you know answering your question, not necessarily forecasting what I see, you know like the vision of where quality is going, but even like where it is right now today and where the opportunities are. And, and, um, and I think it's going to vary by, by company, right. You know, yeah. Where, where they are on their quality journey, but you need to make the commitment. And it's not just for med device, right. You know, it's, it's for med device because it's, it's mandated. Um, but it makes good business sense, right? I mean, you're, you're in quality, you know that there's a lot of value that an organization can have if you if you have the right sized quality management system in place. If you use it to support your processes and you know deliver to the customer and things of that nature, if you don't, if you know, don't do it as a check the box exercise. Well, you know, I'm supposed to do quality, so boom, here, oh, got my FMEA done. I'll tuck that away. No, if you recognize that as a living document and that it serves to continually improve the process, you'll get so much more value and benefit out of it, mm-hmm. um, such that even if your company or industry does not require you know, quality management, you should still consider it because it will pay off in dividends. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with that. Okay, great. That's uh, it's a, lot of, a lot of good information. So what's a book that you've recently read and would recommend reading? Sure. Yeah. So, um, oh, there, I mean, there's a couple of them. So I'll, I'll say two right off the bat, right? Uh, you know, one first and foremost is um, uh, The E-Myth, uh, Revisited, right? That's a, that's a great one. I recommend it to uh, anybody who's looking to make that jump into, you know, consultancy. Uh, you you want to read The E-Myth, the E being entrepreneur, right? E-Myth Revisited. And, uh, you know, in, in that book, um, uh, the author, Michael Gerber, he, um, he, he kind of, he, he covers a lot of good things, uh, but one of them is something that I said earlier on in the discussion. When uh, people think about starting off a consultancy, right, they're thinking as that specialist, right? They know how to do one thing and they figure, hey, why not do it on my own, right? Cut out the middleman and, you know, not have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? You know, the, the overhead and, you know, the, the, the profits that my employer is making, or if I join a consulting company, right, you know, the profits that they're making on my time, um, I could I could provide that value. But what people fail to recognize is those other aspects. There's marketing, there's sales, there's finance, right? There's other facets to that where if you want to deliver your value, you have to recognize those are there. And then you have a choice, right? I mean, it's, it's your time and effort that you need to invest in that, or you can grow a team, right? And, and allow people the opportunity to do the marketing and things of that nature. Um, so I think that's a good, you know, just to, it's an eye opener, right? You know, for, for folks that, hey, are gonna go into consulting. 
Um, and then also for those that are thinking about going and consulting, um, you know, one, one of the, uh, it, it's, a, it's a very, uh, uh, I would say basic, um, but, but it's a process. Uh, spin selling is, uh, is, is the name of the book. And, uh, and what it is, uh, it's, it's an acronym and it helps um, you know, people navigate the complex sale. And when we consult, we're offering a service. It's, it's complex. It's, it's not a transaction where people walking through the mall and say, oh, okay, I want this consultant. And you know, they're not shopping for consultancy. So um, I, I think it lays out a good methodology. Um, if, if, you're, if you don't have any sales experience and things of that nature, and you're thinking about going to consultancy, um, you know, I'd, I'd recommend those two books, right? You know, the E-Myth, just so that you understand, you know, what you want to do actually has some business structure around it. And then uh, spin selling as, as a way to have a good, engaging, customer-focused conversation without being too salesy, right? You know, so uh, if you read those books, you're not going to be going on LinkedIn saying, hey, I just finished my last uh, engagement. Anybody knows of an opportunity, right? Send them my way. Um, you know, this, these, these two books will kind of set you up where uh, you establish your own pipeline and you're having these good, meaningful conversations so that, um, so that you can have a, you know, a good succession of project work uh, without any interruptions. Great. I haven't read these two books, but I'll have to take a look now. Sure. <laughs> Great. And as a last question, so who do you consider your most influential mentor throughout your career? And what did you learn? What lessons did you learn from them? Oh, that's, that's great. So I've been fortunate to have many, right? You know, from different skills and things of that nature. But if I, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one, uh, you know, the most influential uh, mentor and, and man of my life would have been my grandfather. Uh, I, uh, he, was, he was an entrepreneur. Um, I, Best of my knowledge, I don't think he even graduated high school, right? Um, but you know his story of how he established his uh, electric motor repair shop. Um, you know, from being a uh, you know working in a plumbing supply store, and uh, but people knew that he had the knowledge of repairing motors. So uh, you know the plumbers would drop off pumps, and he he'd take them and fix them overnight, right? And, and eventually he built up his clientele established electric motor uh, repair shop. And, uh, and I had the good fortune to work side by side with him. I, I learned a lot of the lessons. And it's funny, sometimes even uh, some of the mindsets and some of the, uh, uh, you know, the way I approach a problem, uh, you know, probably came out of solving problems in the motor shop, uh, you know, more so than even my engineering education. Uh, so, you know, definitely, um, you know, de definitely have a, a lot of uh, a lot of thanks and gratitude for um, you know the, the impression my grandfather has had on me over the years. That's great. That, um, yeah, great to hear that. Okay, well, um, looks like uh, our time's about up. Sure. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been almost an hour. I had such a great time talking with you, Anthony. I think. We oh were... no, me too. We covered a lot of good stuff, and uh, I hope that our listener listeners find this uh, this conversation useful. All right, so uh, Anthony, I really appreciate you having been uh, on the podcast today. Um, one last question. Sure, absolutely. How do people get get a hold of you in case they want to continue the chat? Oh yeah, no, absolutely, and I and I welcome that. Um, you know, so. Um, 
I have several venues, right? LinkedIn is a great way, right? So if you're watching this podcast on, on LinkedIn, um, you know, look me up and, uh, you know, send, send, send an invite, be more than happy to connect. Um, you can follow my business page also on LinkedIn. It's uh, Business Improvement Group Consulting, LLC. Um, you know, follow, follow us there and, you know, see some of the things that I, I've been putting out content as well. And, you know, just tips and tricks and things. Of Great that content, by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, you know, uh, reach out that way. Um, and then we, we have a website as well, www.bigbpi.com. Um, yeah, and just, just take it from there. But I, I, like I said, if, if you first reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, that's probably the best way. Join my network, uh, you know, follow our page, send me a message. And uh, yeah, be more than happy to answer any questions that, uh, uh, that maybe that we didn't answer here um, or, you know, wherever else it may go. Great. All right. Great times. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, thank you, Gabor. I appreciate the time again. And uh, yeah, look forward to chatting with you again. All right. That was episode eight with Anthony Cara. I had such a fun chat with him. I hope you all found his advice as useful as I did. I appreciate you listening to the show. Thank you for all your support. If you find these conversations valuable, please spread the word on Critical Talks and don't forget to give us a five-star rating. If you have a specific topic that you'd like to chat with me about, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and we'll get you on the show. All right, I will catch you in another episode of Critical Talks. In the meantime, stay curious and keep on learning.